This is Recruiting Daily's Recruiting Live podcast, where we look at the strategies behind the world's best talent acquisition teams. We talk recruiting, sourcing, and talent acquisition. Each week, we take one overcomplicated topic and break it down so that your three-year-old can understand it. Make sense? Are you ready to take your game to the next level? You're at the right spot. You're now entering the mind of a hustler. Here's your host, William Tincup. Ladies and gentlemen, this is William Tincup, and you are listening to the Recruiting Daily Podcast. Today, we have Tony Owen from Oyster, and we'll be talking, our topic today is the ever-evolving expectation of employees. I wanted to get a lot of ease in that title, so I think I, I think we succeeded. Uh, but kidding aside, this is going to be a really, really wonderful show. Can't wait to learn about Tony and Oyster first. So, Tony, would you do us a favor and introduce both yourself and Oyster. Hey, William, and hello, everyone. Thank you for having me on the show. Sure. My name is uh, Tony Jamuz. I'm the uh, CEO and founder of Oyster, a serial software entrepreneur, and uh, since uh, nearly two and a half years, uh, CEO of Oyster, which is a global employment platform. And um, this title, I'm sure it, it touches your heart. So the ever-evolving ever expectations of, of, of employees, what have you seen? Let's just start with the basics. What have you seen that we've learned from, from the pandemic of their expectations that we need to take, take, take notice of? The, uh, what happened in the last uh, couple of years is actually, uh, we call it the creative revelation. Uh, mm. essentially a revelation that uh, there are uh, more important things that, than work that is important in our lives. And, uh, and, and finding, having that flexibility that enable uh, that uh, uh, work-life balance uh, that we are searching for uh, has become uh, an, important, uh, an important need and, and benefit uh, for employees around the world. That's kind of me is like the, 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 what crystallizes what's happening in the last two, two years is that uh, revelation that there's something more important than uh, than work in our life. I love that. So, and, and you know, so we so one of the things you know, we talked about it pre-show. It's it's you know the universe is telling us these things, and if we if we pay attention, it's it's there for us to then pay attention to and then to put into actions. So on one level, we've got to pay attention. To our employees and find out like okay what's changed what's important to them today now you know near term etc and then we've got to then we've got to actually change things we've got to actually meet their or exceed their expectations so let's let's kind of play with both those first how do we how do we how do we how do we listen how do we find out what is important to them so that we have an idea of what their expectations are yeah, so obviously you have uh, a number of, of engagement tools and, and feedback tools that uh, organizations can use uh, to collect uh, granular feedback. Uh, and uh, uh, but actually, uh, on on an individual level, nothing is more important than uh, this personal connection that you can create with your employees and uh, in your team, your direct team. Actually, start start there, and. Uh, what, uh, especially as, as we move towards uh, a work that is distributed and not in the same place, it becomes part of your job as a manager or as a leader 
to connect uh, with your team and uh, check in on them. You, you want to check out on the work, obviously, mm -hmm. but, uh, uh, but as importantly, you want to factor in, check in on them personally, how they're doing in their life, what, is, what has changed, uh, how can you make their work conditions better. Uh, and uh, so, for instance, in my, in, my, in my work, I have what I call the heartbeat meeting, which is uh, a 20-minute uh, check-in connection uh, with my team where we, on a weekly basis, my direct report, where we, it's really about connecting with them and be present to them and create that safety uh, for them to, uh, to share what is on their mind and what is, uh, and be at the service of them. And that's what, what I call the heartbeat meeting. Uh, that I do over Zoom on, on a weekly basis with my direct reports. I love that. And so what, you know, first of all, I just love that you do that and you give them the space in which to give you and the, the company feedback on how to make things better. Um, I think, I think when, when someone tells you something in a meeting like that, when someone tells you something that maybe you, you didn't know or you're like a blind spot, like, oh, wow, I wouldn't, I wouldn't think in that thought. That's cool. Um, I think, I think it's, it's easier for us as humans to consume that content as opposed to, Hey, this is just wrong. Like this, this, <laughs> you know, to make it about whatever, whatever, you know, we're doing performance reviews on a monthly basis and people are just, they're beaten. They're tired. Like it is wrong. Like it is just wrong. It's just emotionally draining. We're not, you know, it's hurting them. It's not, it's not making us better. It's actually hurting them. How do you deal with the content? and the feedback that goes counter to kind of what you think and what you believe. How do you deal with that content? Yeah, so uh, like you have to uh, rethink these processes of, of, of performance management and, uh, and collecting feedback. You wanna insert uh, increasing level of human sensitivity. So what does that really mean? For more empathy, more predictability, uh, you want to make sure that uh, they they know what good looks like. They have mm. very clear uh, clear expectations of what good looks like and what performance is. Uh, you also want to like what we've done at Oyster is we've created a, a pretty elaborate objective key result process uh, that enabled us to very quickly transition our culture to an outcome driven culture. Uh, starting from company goals to team goals to individual goals. Uh, and that enabled us to remove any stigma uh, around presence. You know, we don't expect you to be, uh, to be available from 9 to 5 in, in that time zone. We, we want you to have a flexibility in your life uh, and we expect you to deliver outcomes, not, uh, not time and presence. Uh, that, that's sort of uh, part of the foundation of working together is having this clear objective and key results infrastructure. I love that. So one of the things is we, as we, you know, put this show together, the ever evolving expectations of employees, I almost put talent instead of employees because of, of the way that we think about talent now being, you know, fractional gig, you know, part-time, full-time, you know, working all over the world, like just, you know, they might not be employees, but they're, it's talent that we deal with. So I wanted to get your take on that. You know, first of all, you know, not everyone is an employee. So, but, but they're, you know, people that we interact with, uh, you know, the freelance agency that designs whatever, they're just as important as a kind of a full-time employee. How do we, how do we, first of all, I just want to get your take on just talent and kind of the, the way that we think about talent today 
And then also back to the subject at hand is how do we deal with expectations of talent? Yeah, so if you think about you know what drove this, what are the what are the drivers of this move to what I call a portfolio career, where we can do consulting for multiple customers and uh, and, and having this gig uh, type of work uh, is really the social freedom. Uh, people wanted to not be uh, uh, part of one organization, but probably multiple organizations, and be be assessed on output and not on presence. What enabled us to do so in the last couple of years is that every employment can become uh, more and more flexible and free employment. You don't have to suffer uh, the uncertainty of picking work or contractual work. Uh, you can be an employee and benefit from uh, a safe and a, and a secure and delightful employment experience uh, while being an employee. And we We've seen that we've seen that at Oyster. We uh, uh, we build an organization where uh, we are in sixty six countries, uh, five hundred people, uh, all built in the last two two years and three months, and uh, and we have engagement levels that are unheard of. We are top three percent of all BC bank companies in engagement. Uh, we have a level of diversity that is uh, representing the planet Earth. So we're sixty six countries, sixty percent women in the company. Um, so that, that enabled us to, to create this environment where people feel they belong and they don't mm-hmm. have to, um, you know, uh, leave this, this company to go and search for freedom. They are already free being here. I love that. And I love the way that you're, you've approached belonging in such a way. And you said something that I don't hear most people say. It's like we, we're, all, we're all around the world and we want to represent the world which is a really wonderful, it's a beautiful way of a sentiment of thinking like, hey, the world's big enough than male, female, or black, white, or you know, whatever you wanna, however you wanna break that down. It, the world is many facets and your company, because it serves the world, it wants to represent the world inside that. I just, uh, the sentiment behind that, I just absolutely love. I think it's just, uh, it's, it's the way we should all approach things. So what's, what's in our, what's, what have you found and not just with your clients, but you've 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 built companies, so you've you've seen you've, you've been around a block, so you've seen a couple of things. What's in our way? Like, what's the barrier to exceeding meeting uh, employees' expectations? No matter how rapidly or how slowly they change, like, what's been our barrier? So, there are there are kind of two major barriers. I see one is, I mean, it all goes down to our need of control. Uh, as leaders, right? So, so we, um, so we want to we want to control uh, the experience that they need to have in in the workplace in a way that we believe is right. And again, it's about our own opinion of how work should be. Mm-hmm. And you know, we've seen that we've seen that in the last uh, few months, as you have these CEOs yep. of these. Uh, Banks saying, "Hey, we want everybody in the office. This is the way we're going to do things." And and then suddenly we have forty percent resignation happening in the Christmas, right? And they would go back and revert on these policies. Uh, so, so this need of control that is driven by this uh, generation of leaders that uh, were expected to know everything to be right, right. and uh, and then they acted in a way that. Uh, 
uh, is reinforcing the ego, and, and that's not in the way that they, themselves is in the way. So what we, we approach here at Oyster is we're trying to build a, a, an ego-less organization where it's not about who is right, uh, but more about what is um, what is right for the business, but right for the people. How can we put the the human at the center of that experience? Let me yeah. ask you. Real, let me ask you real quick, Tony. I apologize for uh, interrupting, but how sure. did you? How do you, you didn't pop out of the womb understanding control and ego less. So at, at one point in your career, one point in your journey, you learned these things. Uh, how did you kind of come to grips with control? Because you know you're a leader and you've been a leader for a long time. So at one point, you've had to confront this particular topic. How did you do it? Experience hyper growth. We reached 100 million of revenues first five years and we took the company public on, on year five conversions in the company. So but there was a lot of moving parts and, uh, and, and, and growing hyper scale in terms of speed. And what I've realized over this five, six years period is the more I let go what I think is right and the more I let go my need of control, the better the business is doing. <laughs> and the better people you were, ch- you were choking the business with your control yeah. you were you were choking exactly. it. it and you did not not like you set out to do that it was just inadvertently you thought you know you were doing right and and but when you flipped that switch and said i need to lessen my grip and let less control then the company you really unlocked the potentiality of the company that was already there and then it's not yeah, just you. And this is also with yeah. the people, the, the, you know, your, your other leaders in your on your team. So it's not. It wasn't just you, of course. But yeah. I, I love that. Okay, go, continue on. I'm sorry. And I think I think, I think William is also about uh, this image that we we believe as leaders we have to act in a certain way. Right. Uh, our society and the way we portray you know CEOs and leaders is. Uh, is like uh, it's, it's it's not it's not reality, right? So so when we when we first come into the job as a first time leader, we we have a certain idea about how we should be as leaders, and that's misleading. So what one of the things I'm practicing now is to completely let go what I think a CEO of Oyster should be, and let Oyster the experience dictate what I need to be. For instance, I've never thought I'm going to be a you know official for actives. Right. But the company needed me to be a vocal uh, uh, on social media around what is the thing called the future of work? How can you build a better future of work? And I took that opportunity. Um, that's why I'm here. And uh, uh, so, so I had to let go what I thought uh, a CEO should do. And, uh, and, and, and yeah, surrender to, to that experience of hyper growth. You know what's interesting is that we're not taught that. We're not taught that in school, anywhere, anywhere, any of our educational institutions. This concept of egoless, which uh, I absolutely love uh, that phrase and the sentiment behind that phrase, and also not taught like what you've learned uh, through your your journey in terms of the uh, the CEO doesn't have a position description outside of doing what's best for the company. And letting the company tell the CEO what that is, and it changes whatever whatever it is, then the CEO can do that, or president can do that, yeah, the yeah. chief operating, you know, like all of our leaders can do those things. We just have to lessen our grip. And it's also a little bit unique, and really, it's unique not to be attached to the outcome, mm-hmm. except 
that actually we might sell. And, uh, and that's okay. So, so not being attached to a specific outcome uh, for desired results that enable much more flexibility in driving this team to, uh, uh, to, the, to, to, the, to the end point, uh, essentially by having the least amount of damage uh, and emotional strain on the team and organization. So, so one thing I want to ask you when you, when you mentioned egoless, uh, is this concept that a couple of years ago was, was popular was meritocracy in terms of best idea, you know, best idea. It doesn't matter if it's the receptionist or someone that's been in a company 30 years or whatever the bit is, it's just the best idea. So, and I know you, you probably studied that as it was, it was popular as well. What's similar and different between ego lists and meritocracy? I think it's like it's the same part of the pyramid of, of needs. I would say you think at the bottom you have this uh, uh, egoless uh, approach to leadership that creates safety, which is a second layer. And, and then then when you have safety, then you start creating an environment where the best idea can win uh, because nobody uh, well you're reducing the fear of people have if the idea didn't sound great, right? Uh, you reduce the fear of how they might look if they say something that they think is stupid, right? So, so, so that's kind of uh, it's it's like a it's a pyramid on which you build. You start with removing yourself. Uh, you're not. It's not about who's. It's not about the leader to be right or wrong. It's not about being right. It's about creating space and safety for others uh, to, to bring their self and their ideas and their creativity into the collaboration. I love that. I love that. So at Oyster, you know, I wanted to ask you a question in terms of kind of the unlocking both for yourself, but also for your customers. So what's wonderful in interacting with a CEO like you is that you've got your, your company and then you're also dealing with a, uh, the potentiality, a human potentiality of all your customers. So how do you, how do you, you know, help shape that unlocking the hidden potential or the best version of oneself at Oyster, but also how do you kind of proliferate that idea and help your customers kind of, understand that that's available to them as well. I have to say, I did not hear your last question. Can you please repeat that? Sure, sure, sure. It's, 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 uh, it's a sentiment of, of unlocking the best version of oneself. So at, at Oyster, how do, you, how do you do that? But also because you have you know, thousands of clients, how do you do that and help your clients understand that they too can kind of unlock potential or get the best version of every one of their employees? Yeah, it's a good question. And it's really around uh, uh, continuously improve the experience of our customers so that they can, in their turn, become a better employer for an ever more distributed and workforce. So what we do is we are obsessed ourselves of being the best legal employer for these people around the world. So what we do is we employ uh, people uh, on behalf of our customers in, in local markets. So essentially, let's say our customer found Marie in Athens. Uh, she's an amazing talent. We want to hire Marie in Athens. We want to provide her with the safety and, and security of a full-time employment. Uh, they go to Oyster, they go to our website and our platform, and they can send a contract. 
it's a term from benefits, process of payroll. Uh, and so what we do every, every, every quarter, we focus on how can we be ourselves the best legal employer for Mary Ethan? How can we improve her benefits? How can we improve her uh, compliance and legal confidence? And how can we get her payroll uh, faster? And uh, um, so I think what, what by doing that, what we do is we enable our customers to to be themselves the better version, a better employer for Mary, right? Right. So the more the more we improve our platform, the more we enable our customers to treat people around the world more fairly and uh, and and uh, and provide them with the safety of an employment experience uh, that would otherwise not be the case if they hire them as you know, contractors or. Uh, so that's, that's how we think about it. I, I love that. So so I want to I want to backtrack on the ever evolving expectations. Um, what do you see is, if we can say post COVID world, um, what do you see the expectations kind of evolving to? Like, what do you, what do you just, we'll, we'll put on our, our, our magic hats and kind of look at a year from now. Like, what do you think, just even Oysters employees, just your own, even your own, not even your, your clients. What do you think we'll be talking about that'll be important to them? Okay. At the end of the day, it's this really this intersection uh, between uh, enabling them to have the life that they want to have, you know, going back for the freedom, uh, and that that being, you know, living anywhere I want, uh, uh, having the, uh, the the balance between work and life, having the flexibility to uh, to walk your dog in the middle of the day, or pick up your children from school, or um, so for one hand, is maximize that freedom for them, uh, while the other dimension of it is how can you make them increasingly more successful, no matter what they are, with that flexibility. So you want to build in parallel uh, the, the systems and processes and the way you work together to enable people to be successful, no matter what they are in any time zone, and uh, no matter what is their flexible uh, uh, they look like. Um, so, so these are the two things that are increasingly important. And I would say overall, it's also about uh, uh, being, uh, being more thoughtful of pay. You know, pay has also increased in, in importance in the last few years because of obviously inflation and uh, increasing level of insecurity on the job market uh, from, from, from certain sectors. Uh, so you want to be carefully looking at uh, reviewing pay uh, more frequently and, and building a pay philosophy that is fair uh, and equal around the world. So I, I love all of that, by the way, to just conceptually, I, th I think you're spot on. Um, the last question, this is around the word expectations insofar as how do we meet? Okay, that's the basic. How do we meet someone's expectations? How do we exceed their expectations? Uh, we've talked to folks a lot of the the uh, the episode on their ch expectations change, which okay, shocking, not shocking. But how do we also you know and and you know speak specifically for Oyster, maybe its clients, that's fine. But how do we make sure that we don't overpromise and underdeliver? You know, which is a you know consulting kind of a kind of a, a concept of you flip that you underpromise and overdeliver, right? So once we know their expectations, and you just outlined uh, some wonderful ones that we think that we'll be dealing with more and more in the future, how do we meet 
exceed and not overpromise. Yeah, so how we think about that booster is we we uh, we have a vision of how our organization uh, need to operate. Um, actually, we're building our organization the same way we're building the products. We're using you know agile methodology. Um, so we have we have a vision. We know where we're headed, but we are very uh, open about that. This is a journey. Uh, by uh, and, and providing obviously short-term view of where the journey takes us, but we want to make sure that everybody understands that this is always work in progress, and um, uh, and and then we also want to involve people to co-create that with us. Uh, so, for instance, in when we started the business, our smaller organization obviously it was easier to do, but we had uh, everybody was a co-creator on the way we work together. Uh, that is, uh, you know, one form of asynchronous work. That is, we, we branded that "Follow the Sun" now. The booster "Follow the Sun," um, and uh, so essentially is uh, have a vision where you're going to want to go, and uh, and and uh, and ensure that people understand that this is a work in progress. It's always work in progress. Uh, and thirdly, is uh, is engage people in in being. Part of that co-creation process. Drops mic, walks off stage. Tony, thank you. So I know you're crazy busy building this business. Thank you so much for carving out time for us. Thank you for having me. Absolutely. And thanks for listening to the Recruiting Daily Podcast. Until next time. You've been listening to the Recruiting Live Podcast by Recruiting Daily. Check out the latest industry podcasts, webinars, articles, and news at Recruiting.